0: I actually learned a lot about how people leave everyday items out of their first aid kit when I coached girls volleyball, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I always carried a first aid kit with me as a coach. And it was always assumed the girl was going to lose a limb in the middle of a volleyball game or suddenly, you know, have a gunshot wound. And and I remember distinctly, like, the very first time I was at a tournament and one of my girls got hurt and she had, like, a little cut. And, right, and, you know, it was, it was bleeding, so it was enough to, like, need a little bit of attention. It wasn't, like, just, like, a little something, but... And so I said, all right, go over there. And so I went over with her parents and I sat her down and I kneeled in front of her and I said, well, hold on. I got my first aid kit here. And she's like, oh, okay, thanks, coach. And I'm going through it and I'm like, okay, Israeli bandage. Okay, plastic <laughs> sheeting in case you have a sucking chest wound. <laughs> I was like, tourniquet, sutures. And I was just like, of course I do, the bandage yeah, I was like, I do not have a band-aid in here. <laughs> that's when I realized I was like, this is I have
1: the wrong first aid kit for this mission. Welcome to Thriving the Future Podcast, where we're finding positive solutions to thrive in the tough times ahead. Welcome back to Thrive in the Future. In this episode, my friend Dave and I take out our first aid kits and our med kits and we compare the contents. So note, at no point is this medical advice. This is meant this is mainly for entertainment purposes. And believe me, there's plenty of entertainment as we compare these two. Let's get to the episode. So in this episode, we're going to talk about med kits and first aid kits. So first of all, we're going to compare what we have in our kits right off the bat. But first of all, let's talk about mindset. So what problem are we trying to solve? Are we trying to do the ER and replace the doctor or or what are we doing?
0: Oh, that's a great question. And you know, I've actually been, been thinking about this all day. I think you're trying to solve all the problems, uh-huh. right? You know, and if you think about it, a mechanic might have a toolkit in his garage that's two or three or four of those ginormous craftsman red with every conceivable tool,
1: yeah, snap-on, yeah, right.
0: But in his trunk of his of his car, he might just have a small box of common tools to solve very common problems, right? Right, wrenches and screwdrivers, basically, right? Right. And you know, and so obviously, it's not feasible to have the the multi-tier craftsman thing in your trunk. And obviously, if you have a garage, you might want more than just a tiny little toolbox, right? Mm-hmm. So I think the first aid kit you carry on your body versus the first aid kit you might have in your pack. Mm-hmm. Versus the first aid kit in your car, versus what you might have in your storage room at home, are all designed to sort of solve a different need. Sure, right. And I think to your question, the ones at your house are probably the you're trying to do everything possible, uh, you know, in an emergency situation. You know, no doctor, no hospital, no anything. Sure. And the ones on the other hand, your body pack are probably meant for common injuries you might experience when you're when you're hiking or shooting or something like that. With maybe a a nod towards the unexpected but traumatic injury.
1: Plus multiple first aid kits. Like I have a first aid kit in the bag in the car. And then I have a first aid kit under the sink at home, which would have different uses. And then I've got a med kit, which is more elaborate.
0: Exactly. Like the one I keep here, I call that my hospital bag.
1: Mm -hmm. Hospital bag. That's basically what I mean.
0: And then, you know, for those that are probably seen this, you know, for for people that are tactical and like to use cool (laughs) phrase sayings, you know, you have your blowout bag, right? Right. Right. Your blowout kit. And that's just basically to plug a hole, essentially, to stop bleeding. But most people's blowout kit is nothing more than the bare necessity of things to stop a major traumatic injury most likely a gunshot injury sure. so if somebody says like oh i've got some some little bit of grit in my eye does anybody have those those disposable one one time usage eye drops people probably aren't going into their blowout kit for something like correct, that correct so like a lot of people they and I, i'm guilty of this myself is they make the mistake of they go to the extreme like oh i need a first aid kit with with tourniquets, with quick clot, with Israeli bandages. And then, you're, and then you're out in the field and you've got this amazing kit that is battle proven. And then somebody goes, oh, I got a splinter. Does anybody have a pair of tweezers to remove a splinter? And you're like, no, I don't have that. <laughs> or I, I have a small paper cut. Anyone have like a, a small, just one finger bandaid? No, I don't have that.
1: <laughs> yeah, But if get yeah.
0: shot, I can totally <laughs> plug that hole.
1: Yeah, it was funny. When we were doing this exercise, I think it was last year or in the summertime, we were going through. And I said, so what do you got for poison ivy? I do not got nothing for poison ivy. <laughs> yeah, yeah I don't right. anything for that. But <laughs> so, it's true.
0: I mean, like that's actually a great example is most often looked types of stuff that are in first aid kits are things for like you know, nausea, diarrhea, things like that, that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. those things will put you out of the fight faster or as fast as a lot of other things. Yeah. But nobody considers, uh, you know, nausea or diarrhea to be a, uh, an injury or something, uh, you know, that you would need in a first aid kit, but nothing will sap your will to fight faster than needing to find a bathroom every 10 seconds, Yeah, right? I remember remember the
1: Oregon Trail? <laughs> no, oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> die of dysentery. You die of dysentery, right? yeah.
0: But, you know, but something like just a small thing of Pepto-Bismol in your first aid kit, uh-huh. Solve some of that, but how many people carry Pepto in their first aid kit? Uh-huh. Smart people do, but most people have 10 different types of Israeli bandages, you know, but not a Band-Aid or a, or a Pepto.
1: So first aid kit in your car, your bug out bag, whatever. What is your number one item?
0: Hmm. I actually spent the day thinking about that question. I don't know. I'm going to give you the worst answer in the world. I, I don't think there you can say there's one item, right. right? It would be like asking that mechanic, what's the most important tool in your in your toolbox? You know, and you could say, okay, a Phillips head screwdriver right up till you need a pair of pliers, mm-hmm. right? Or I'll say, well, a pair of pliers so I can grab a bunch of stuff right up until you need a Phillips head screwdriver, right? Um, but but my answer, if I was pressed for one, I would have to say uh, either quick clot or a tourniquet.
1: i I would put money on you saying tourniquet yeah well and the
0: reason my logic for that is small cuts or other types of things even a broken bone in and of itself unless it's a, a bone that's actually protruding from your skin most likely isn't going to kill you you're not going to die from it at least not immediately mm-hmm. right where an amputated limb or a, you know a laceration or a wound that cuts you in a in a major artery will absolutely kill you quickly like you'll bleed out in seconds right mm-hmm. so to me the tourniquet becomes the most important thing because time is a factor You'll die and it'll save your life. Right. But if I was messing with my knife, like the time I was in my garage at the start of COVID and I sliced (laughs) my hand really bad. We'll get to that story. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that wasn't going to kill me. I didn't need a tourniquet. It was a bad cut. It was bleeding. But just in the time that I packed a towel onto it, by the time I got to the hospital, the bleeding had stopped significantly, right? Yeah. Um, So that's a great example where it definitely needed stitches and I definitely lost some blood. But wasn't enough to take me out of the fight or even kill me. Sure. Um, you know, but but had that been on my wrist, for example, or had that been like in my upper arm or somewhere where, you know, where I could have really started to, to significantly bleed a tourniquet if you're in the woods or whatever, saves your life.
1: Yeah. And this is the, the great story. So we're not talking about, we'll get to this stuff we have in the med kit and it'll sound very surgical, but we're not talking about foregoing medical equipment unless medical treatment. Unless you have a completely shits the fan or something goes on, right? I mean, so example, your story is that uh, first weekend of lockdown in March 2020. (laughs)
0: Right, the the COVID apocalypse
1: just started. (laughs) Just started and you're working in the garage.
0: Yep, and I'm just trying to open a a piece of plastic. And it was funny as I was pushing the knife, I could see I was pushing it towards my hand. And I thought to myself, well, that's stupid. You're going to cut yourself. So I changed the angle completely, and when I when the knife went through the piece I was trying to open, the tip caught something, deflected, made a almost ninety degree turn, and then up just going right you know right into my hand and
1: yeah know, right in between it. your uh, thumb and your index right here. in the
0: webbing between the two and it was deep you know you had. All that subcutaneous stuff all mm-hmm. you know hanging out of there and yeah, blood you, almost just...
1: went, you almost went down to the tendon, so
0: Yeah, I mean blood started squirting across the garage. <laughs> yeah, I've seen you still yeah. have that on
1: the floor down there. Right. Too. Oh yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And uh but yeah, but luckily I live, you know, mile mile and a half from a hospital.
1: Yeah, so you didn't say, Okay, it's COVID lockdown, I'm going to suture this up at home. You went to the ER. That's that's the key. We're not saying Yeah, if you're if you're tactical, you're going to suit yourself up, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I think, I think like
0: any resources. You take advantage of the resources till the resources aren't there. Exactly. Right. So the hospital was there, the hospital was functioning, mm-hmm. and I wasn't really ever worried about COVID in the first place. Sure. So I wasn't worried about like, oh no, I could in- interact with another human. So I went went straight to the ER. But uh, but you know, interesting story. I was down in Arkansas, right? And you know the area I was at because uh, you're a, uh, a rock climber. I was down in Arkansas <clears throat> rock climbing one time. Slipped and fell and gashed my left hand. My previous story was my right hand, and gashed my hand down to the down to the subcutaneous stuff. Except that in that case, I was in the middle of nowhere. Had driven you know five hours to go rock climbing. I wasn't about to cancel the trip, and I wasn't about to go drive in two hours from wherever I was to find a hospital. So I always keep a medical stapler in my better first aid kits. Mm-hmm. And my buddy was like, "Well, I guess that's the end of this trip." And I was like. hell with that i didn't drive five hours to go home so i was like this is a great use case for my medical stapler because up until then i had never used one and so i just you know cleaned out the cut really good and got it cleaned out my girlfriend at the time was a vet uh veterinarian so so she actually taught me some things and she's the one that actually turned me on to medical staplers and so i was like okay and put a few staples in it wrapped a actually cut the bottom of my t-shirt off and wrapped it in there because I wanted something nice and because I was still going to rock climb right and uh, I was still going to rock climb so I wanted something with a little bit of padding to it so I cut the bottom of my t-shirt off and wrapped it around my hand but that medical stapler worked phenomenally I mean and I only needed one hand to operate it I could just press it up against my skin and squeeze it where I actually thought about that other cut you know I, I, you can't suture with one hand. Right. So I would have needed to have somebody else suture it if I didn't have a hospital. Well, that
1: was pretty deep though. You wouldn't have been able to use a stapler on that, would you?
0: No. I mean, I mean, I think they do make larger staplers, but I didn't have any. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, I mean, I think with the right size gauge stapler, maybe, but yeah, that was definitely a stitch thing. But I would have had to, you know, tell my wife like, okay, here's how you do this, Mm -hmm. right? Take this and go around and, you know, trying to teach her how to do a surgeon's knot on the fly, not ideal.
1: Yeah. So my number one item in my kit, first aid kit, will kind of surprise you. It's gloves. Gloves. Reason, because, what was it, a year and a half ago, you're driving down the highway, someone actually wrecks in front of you mm. and, like, flips their car or something, right? You get out to help them. <coughs> yeah. Ladies bleeding all over the place. Yeah. And you didn't have any gloves in your in your bag. Yeah, that's right. Right? So, you know... Gloves, even though that sounds really mundane, it's come in so handy for several different things. Yeah,
0: I can definitely see gloves. I mean, it
1: makes a lot of sense because, I
0: mean, uh, there's so many air, you know, not airborne, but there's so many, you know, pathogens and things that you can catch. And, I mean, it's definitely smart. I mean, it's reason why doctors and surgeons and nurses wear
1: them. Yeah, I've used it for other stuff, too, I'm cleaning the deer. Or uh, I think I used it for something else, like had something to do with the sewer or something.
0: You know, and it's one of those things where it's like you say the most important thing in your kit is the thing you need right now, mm-hmm. <laughs> right? And so, so you know, if you if you've got some you know big piece of something in your eye, uh, you know, you're you're obviously not going to be in great shape to do much of anything. If you've you know, if anyone that's ever had a little bit of sand or debris or an eyelash in your eye, it's just sure. gonna drive you crazy, right? So, you know, uh, just having like little eye drops or an eye flusher. Is, is like, oh, that's the most important thing for me today because that's what I yeah. need.
1: Do you have that in your uh, first aid kit? I don't right. have that. I have, I have the eye wash in my med kit, but that's not going to help me if I'm at the range or something.
0: I do. I actually keep the eye squeezy things and the individual, like they're just good for one use each. They come in like little packs of five mm-hmm. and you twist the top off and it just gives you like a single usage of eye drops. Mm-hmm. I keep those in every bag. Really? Because... Um, like I, I don't know how people wear contact lenses.
1: I don't either. If I get (laughs) no idea, (laughs) like if
0: I get even like the smallest eyelash in my eye, like, like the, a whisper of an eyelash, I feel like I have a a, a boulder in there. Correct. And like, it'll drive me nuts till I find it. I have no idea how people wear contacts. I,
1: I couldn't do it. I tried. I couldn't do it.
0: So I always keep something to flush my eyes out in every kit. Every single first aid kit I have has eye stuff in it. Mm
1: hmm. Mm hmm yeah definitely and then the standard stuff you know the wraps and everything liquid bandage use that whole bunch we used that not too long ago yeah. when we were out at the range and i got my uh head in the wrong position and got uh some what do they call that Sc- oh, scope, scope bite,
0: bite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah liquid bench i actually went learned... back
1: and hit me in between the eyebrows and gave me a little gouge there
0: and gave you a big one that was a big, that was pretty yeah. pretty deep
1: yeah that was almost a stitches type thing yeah, yeah i mean you it, was, know? it was close Did some compressing on it. Just went down and put some liquid bandage on it. Went back shooting.
0: That's just a great example where just one little thing in your first aid kit makes a difference. I actually learned a lot about how people leave everyday items out of their first aid kit when I coached girls volleyball, believe it or not. Mm -hmm. I always carried a first aid kit with me as a coach. And it was always assumed the girl was going to lose a limb in the middle of a volleyball game <laughs> or suddenly, you know, have a gunshot wound. And and I remember distinctly, like, the very first time I was at a tournament and one of my girls got hurt and she had, like, a little cut. Uh-huh. And, right? And, you know, it was, it was bleeding. So it was enough to, like, need a little bit of attention. It wasn't, like, just, like, a little something. But... And so I said, all right, go over there. And so I went over with her parents and I sat her down and I kneeled in front of her and I said, well, hold on. I got my first aid kit here. And she's like, oh, okay, thanks, coach. And I'm going through it and I'm like, okay, Israeli bandage. Okay. Plastic <laughs> sheeting in case you have a sucking chest wound. I was <laughs> like, tourniquet, sutures. And I was just like, of course I do the bandage n- Yeah, out. I was like, I do not have a band-aid in here. <laughs> that's when I realized I was like, this is I have the wrong first aid kit for this mission. But yeah, that's I had funny. I had no just regular old you know standard uh-huh. you know been around for 100 years band-aids mm-hmm. and so I was just like alright well hold on and so I kind of improvised and I, I think I cut a little piece of gauze off and put some tape over it's dumb and I was like how do you not have just a box of assorted band-aids yeah
1: yeah because I've been working on a house down in Wichita didn't have power you know powers turned off or whatever and ended up smacking my hand with a hammer and had to go and get the first aid kit out Yeah, and and all that you know the poison ivy stuff happens quite often.
0: Yeah. You know, it's funny because, like, I've been meaning to do an inventory of my hospital bag uh, and just lay it all out and mm-hmm. break it down by scenario. Right. Right. So, like, you group things together, like uh, different types of band aids versus bandages, right? Versus trauma stuff like tourniquets and, you know, plastic sheeting for sucking chest wounds and things of that nature. Right. Right. And then, you know, things like diarrhea and, 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 uh, and, you know, all those types of medications like Pepto and all that stuff and mm-hmm. you know and then like your your you know uh, uh what do they call them uh tweezers and all those kinds of things for splinters and all that sure and then just go scenario by scenario and sort of say that's a good idea yeah and say like you know scenario drives what you need right so you say okay if you had a traumatic injury and you were losing a lot of blood what do I have on this table that can stop that oh okay I've got uh, you know, these bandages, uh, feminine hygiene products. I usually keep those in every kit, mm. right? Like, um, uh, you know, uh, the pads are very absorbent and they're very similar to surgical pads, really thick. I mean, just like super sure. t- strong, maxi pads, yeah. yeah. And you can be, but uh, I actually buy the surgical pads too, and you can buy those in different thicknesses and different sizes from like CVS or Walgreens. But the surgical dressing dressings are designed to be super absorbent. Similar to feminine hygiene products, which is why I started using those. Mm-hmm. But I could say, okay, for that scenario, I've got all these different things that I can, you know, quick clot in the wound or a tourniquet to stop the bleeding, uh, quick clot in the wound, bandage, surgical dressing, pack it in, gauze to wrap it, keep it all in place. <laughs> feminine
1: stuff, you stick a tampon into right? a gunshot, one, so, right?
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, hey, people have done it. Yeah, and then and then you know, then you go to the other spectrum and say, okay. You know, I've got a splinter that's become infected. What do I got? And that's where you're like, oh, you know, I don't really have a something to get a, a, a splinter out or right. I don't have any any uh, antibiotic cream to rub on it when it's infected or to keep it from getting infected. Mm-hmm, and so the scenarios will drive like, okay, go get some tweezers, go get some antibiotic ointment, go get this, right? right. And uh, and I think it's a good way to kind of see where your gaps are, because like I said, most people either have what they call a boo-boo kit and they don't have anything for trauma. Right. Or they're thinking that they're getting ready to, you know, go out to Fallujah and they got, you know, the blowout <laughs> kit and all the other stuff. And they don't have a band-aid like dumbass me at the, at the yeah. you know, at the volleyball tournament.
1: So what else do you have in your med kit?
0: Uh, like my hospital bag. Yeah, hospital bag. Yeah. bag kit, yeah. So, so um, I started I started grabbing dental supplies last year.
1: Really. Uh, the one
0: thing I need I need to get is there's two great books out there where there is no doctor and where there is no dentist. Yeah. Right. So it'll teach you how to do like emergency dentistry, bullet tooth, something like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I started stocking some dental stuff last year, like basic hand tools, um, things like that. Uh, I started doing like the trach kits. The esophageal tubes and things like that. Really? To, oh yeah, mm-hmm. um, I even have the. I even bought the pack of esophageal tubes that are in assorted sizes for like children to small adults to full size adults because it's not like a one one tube one size tube fits all. Yeah. Right. So uh, so I have the different esophageal tubes. So if you know somebody I know is has lost consciousness, I can, I can put them on their back. I can put the esophageal tube in, get their neck in the right location and then open up their airway.
1: No, you just do like Hawkeye and you take a right. pen and, <laughs> right. and uh, do a make tracheotomy, a tracheotomy. <laughs> do a trach right there, right?
0: <laughs> it was funny too, because I did start stocking tubes for tracheotomies and things like that. Um, but those are the things. And then suture kits of all different sizes. I know you have those as yeah, well, I have kits, right? So. Cause we get them from the same place. Sure. You know, and I think suture kits to me are are particularly interesting because for most small to medium to, you know, let's say medium light side of large cuts and those types of wounds, uh, unless they're particularly challenging, like they've cut through, you know, something deeper, right? But if they're fairly superficial, uh, suturing a cut's not very hard, Mm -hmm. right? I mean, there's a million videos on YouTube that show you how to do it, but I mean, essentially you know you know learning how to suture is something that can be done very quickly and when there's no doctor or if you're in a situation where the doctor is hundreds of miles away and it's a difference between losing a lot of blood and then possibly losing consciousness and stitching something up it's not that hard to do right i mean right. it's it's i mean it's Yeah a, i've
1: been i've been exactly what you're talking about in arkansas where you're down in the holler and yeah. you're rock climbing and it's a long way to the hospital i've got like a foam splint
0: yeah oh yeah those and are that, really good
1: and things like that too i think i have those wrap around splints mm-hmm. not the wrap you know like the ace bandages right but the, the actual one that goes on your elbow or it goes on your wrist or it goes and right. it's hand. got like right. the hard sides to it yeah, so yeah, it keeps
0: yeah. it from from bending yeah absolutely uh-huh. i actually keep the moldable finger splints really volleyball because mm-hmm. uh, a very common injury for girls sure, playing especially. volleyball is they go to block a ball yep. and it kind of jams jam. up their finger yep. and so that's that's I didn't carry that stuff Mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, now I got a girl that's, you know, can't bend her finger and it hurts really bad. And so I was like, no, add finger splints to, to all the so first is aid that kits. the
1: the metal splint that you know the old timey metal splint?
0: Well, it's 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 metal with foam inside of it, yeah. and then it's got two little velcro straps like like that go around your finger, mm-hmm. but but it's but it's you can mold it to a certain shape. Oh, okay, right. So it so it doesn't keep your finger perfectly straight. Sure, it actually keeps your finger in a natural curved position. Mm-hmm. And so what you do is you 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 slide your finger into the end of it, and it's and the sides are open. It's not like a tube. All right, the sides are open. So it's, you know, kind of kind of just looks like a top and a bottom. And you put your finger into it and you kind of get the shape right. And then you just tighten the little Velcro pieces oh, to keep it to your finger. And yeah. so as you're moving, your one finger will basically keep its natural curve shape. But it prevents any of your knuckles from moving.
1: Yeah, unless you've got like a significantly dislocated finger, they're not going to do anything different when you go into the hospital.
0: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. You know, but it's, and it's one of those things where... You know, if if someone's breaking into your house and you're reaching for your gun and you jam a finger in your night on your dresser, reaching for your gun, you're not going to immediately go. I'm out of the fight. Sorry, guys, my, my finger hurts a little bit. Right, it's going to keep you in the fight. Right, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you don't want stuff like that. Like, let's say it's it's a non emergency situation, but you're you know you're working around your house. Maybe there's there are no doctors, and you hurt your finger working in the garden, right? Because you've you got horses, you got animals, you got a, right. you know, a homestead. So now all of a sudden, you know, it's something that if not properly taken care of, doesn't heal right. And then, it, you know, now it's, it's, not, it's not usable for potentially ever. I remember my dad, uh, you know, and my dad was an older dad, right? Um, uh, you you know, know, mine was too. Yeah. And um, I remember one time he showed me his, his pinky and his pinky was like from the last knuckle to the tip was bent damn near like 45 degrees to the side. And I said, like, what the hell happened? And he was literally like, oh, I remember in 1931, I was playing in a football game. And the guy tackled me and broke my pinky. And back then, we didn't go to the doctor for stuff like that. Right. But it never healed right. And he never had full use of his pinky again. Uh-huh. You know, So that's one of those things where even if you're just working in the garden and it's not a life or death situation, you want to have the right medical tools there so that you're not dealing with a year later, you know i can't function quite right because this one pinky doesn't work or yeah. something like that
1: yeah when i was 10 i dislocated my thumb and it was like all the way back right i had to go in there and they had to yank it back into place and and then they just put one of those splints on there like you were talking about right i was like oh well, that doesn't seem
0: <laughs> yeah but i mean that's a great example imagine losing the losing the use of your thumb uh-huh. right i mean that's what separates us from the from all the other critters right so you don't have a thumb it's all of a sudden you're on on level you're on level (laughs) playing ground with everybody else right those are the only things that give us the advantage except (laughs) pandas pandas have opposable thumbs Yeah, yeah i'm just saying you know Right? all of a sudden, you got into the thumbs, and all the deer and the coyotes are like, "We got him now! He's got yeah. the thumbs." <laughs> oh, yeah, right, that's but funny. I mean, but that's a great example where my dad's pinky never worked right after that. Sure, he grew up in a normal world. I'll say it never really affected him. But imagine if there's some sort of a global catastrophe, and we all find ourselves on our own. You're living at your homestead, and you're doing just fine. You have this quote minor injury, and now you know you don't heal it right. And there's no doctor. You can't go somewhere. I'll do it tomorrow or whatever. Sure. All of a sudden, a year from now, your your hand never works quite right again, and it affects your ability to work the farm, to fix things, to do things that require fine motor skills in some cases.
1: Or the economy collapses, or maybe you lose your job, right? Maybe you lose your job and you don't have medical insurance anymore. So yeah, exactly. You know, I mean, the the shit hits the fan thing is. It can be very personal and not affect everybody else. Yeah, that's right? a, that's
0: a great point. That's a great point. I was actually just reading something the other day where uh, somebody in the comment section of a of a article I was reading basically said that due to the high cost of, of food right now, mm-hmm. and due to the fact that uh, he his job didn't really pay a lot, he was he was having to use store or food he had stored several years ago, right? right? But for him, this is like his you know kind of moment right where he's like hey for me it's hitting the fan right now because i don't make a lot of money and inflation is out of control you know and and for others it might might take a you know uh you know some more apocalyptic type of event before they're like "Uh oh i gotta break into the beans and the rice you know but for this guy all it took was i don't make much money and inflation is making it difficult for me to buy food right now Mm -hmm. but luckily i put a bunch of food away two years ago and so i'm good right but it's the same thing with like to your point And then you
1: figure out whether you practiced enough to to be able to cook rice and beans. Right. But I mean, but like... (laughs) What do I do with the beans again? I don't know. But from a
0: first aid perspective, I mean, your point is so great that, you know, I get a cut. I just go up the street to the hospital like I did, you know, in the story. But that same person who didn't have medical insurance, didn't have a job, you know, that might not have been an option for him. Mm -hmm. So now that person's sitting there going, okay, I got a really deep cut. There's no doubt about it. It requires stitches. Going to the hospital isn't an option. Right, because I can't afford it. Don't have insurance. So, what's my options here? Mm-hmm. Right, I can just pack a bunch of gauze and stuff into it, let it heal naturally. Hope hope for the best. I can try something fancier like stitches or staples or or just just pump a whole lot of liquid bandage in there and hope for the best. But you know, either way, for that person on that day, uh, that's his his like kind of you know it's hitting the fan moment, right? Yeah. Good right. Point. I remember. I remember a great quote that I never forgot, but it said, "To the average soldier, the smallest battle, on the most isolated trail in the most you know remote piece of jungle, feels like World War III." Right. Right. Because mm-hmm. you know it doesn't matter what the you know political or the socio political uh, ramifications of that battle are. You know how we got here, what the geopolitical turmoil that causes. When someone's shooting at you and hand grenades are going off, you're like. This is my World War Three right here. It's right. happening,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know. So and yeah, definitely. I think from a first aid perspective, it's exactly the same.
1: Yeah. So what about first aid training? Let's just first of
0: all, no one does enough of it. Right. Of course. Right. I mean, by no one, I mean no one. Me. They're like, uh, you know. I think people love to get stuff. And this is probably true of anything, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. generators, cool stuff, water filters, right? I mean, how many people listening to this probably have a water filter and then they go camping and then they go, oh, the first thing when they get their water filter out is they have to go, All right, I mean, how's this thing work again? Yeah, <laughs> where, do I, where, where do I turn the, the cap to, you know, how do these two things line up to make sure the water's safe, right? right. Uh-huh. Or the generator
1: and, uh, you didn't start right. <laughs> when you bought it. <laughs> and now it's, uh, and now you're looking at the directions and it says you have to run it for for 10 hours before you put a load on it yeah
0: exactly great point you're like how do i start this thing again
1: well i had one last year that i bought a generator and if i didn't test it out i would have been in trouble because when i turned it on it started just shooting gas out of the carburetor
0: oh i remember that yeah and it
1: wouldn't start Yeah, and it, and it takes forever to get an rma for a generator i mean forever yeah i remember that so yeah it was it was it was nuts
0: But uh, yeah from a training perspective i mean you know it depends on how much time money and, and you know an effort you want to really invest in something but you know in a perfect world everyone would have you know some sort of cpr dummy mm-hmm. where you can practice putting a you know uh you know a, you know a tube in their airway and opening their airway and tilting their head back i told you before we started today that uh i i just bought a, a stupid story but i just bought uh you know a suture pad today right right amazon will have it delivered tomorrow which is awesome for but- practicing sutures It's basically a small, let's call it five by eight little piece of flesh colored foamy stuff and it's got different types of cuts on it. Mm-hmm. And it's meant to feel like and replicate human skin right. and then the subcutaneous tissue underneath. Mm-hmm. And it comes with practice sutures, with the nylon, with different types of material, right? It comes with you know, all, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the needle driver, right? Which a mm-hmm. uh, forceps, or if you want to, you know, for people to picture what a needle driver is, and all the tools you need. And what's nice about it is, stupid story, but remember when you and I were uh, practicing our suturing on uh, grapefruits? Yeah. Right. Grapefruits are great to practice with. Uh, not as good as a suture pad, but you know you, you kind of can only practice with it a few times, and then you, you either throw it away or you eat the grapefruit. <laughs> yeah. But what was funny was knowing that we were doing this podcast kind of got me excited about first you know my first aid kits again, uh-huh. and so after I talked to you the other day, I was like, you know what, I have not practiced my surgeons not in a while. I'm gonna I'm gonna you know get a suture out and get my needle driver, and I, I was a fairly good. You know, uh, suture person is a and doing a surgeon's knot, I'm pretty damn good. And then I looked around at my my fruit on the kitchen. I'm like, oh, I don't have anything to practice on, huh. right? So I have a I, first. I grabbed a potato, and I was like, no, it's too watery. Yeah, yeah, it's too watery. The needle's just going to go. You know, the thread yeah. will pull right through it, right? And that
1: was that was borderline on grapefruit.
0: Uh, it wasn't yeah, it was, bad, right? It was starting to pull through. A yeah, bit. it was starting to pull because they're obviously very watery too, right? Yeah. And then I thought my wife had a, uh, a couple of avocados over there, which I thought would have been pretty good. But uh, because she ate those, so they're not there. And then so, my, my, and then so I'm thinking to myself. <laughs>
1: How dare her. <laughs> yeah, I was like,
0: okay, I can either go to the grocery store and I can buy a grapefruit or something and bring it home and then do my thing. But I'm not going to do that. So I said, you know, I'm going to jump on Amazon. I go to Amazon and I bought it. But what's nice about it is it's just it's a little zippered kit and -hmm. everything you need. And in theory, even though it's a practice kit, there's nothing that says you couldn't keep a stash of sutures and your needle driver in there, and that that's your suture kit. Yeah. Right. The practice thing is just is what it is but if all of a sudden someone's like oh hey i need to put a couple stitches in a cut you're like hold on let me just go get my sutures kit yeah and you got everything you need a couple of needle drivers a couple tweezers and your and your different suture sizes of of you know gauge and stuff like that and you're good
1: yeah i think uh, another thing to do is similar to what we were talking about about practicing your your preps like your generator and stuff right is also practice scenarios Oh yeah, for so sure. you know, in addition to training or whatever you do, I mean, to say, hey, you know, I have this. Maybe you put, maybe maybe you make some three by five cards with some emergency situations on. Right, it. absolutely. And then you shuffle them up and you pull one and you say, hey, let's let's do a scenario here. And it says, hey, I've I'm rock climbing and cut myself. What do I do? Because you know, half of it is keeping from flipping out.
0: I mean, you think back to your days in the military, right? Right. You would go to first aid classes and they would they would do different scenarios like that, right? Mm-hmm. They'd either have a dummy on the floor and they'd say, you know, like I remember, you know, learning how to learning how to plug a sucking chest wound. Yeah. Right? They'd have a dummy and you'd have a sheet of plastic and sure. they would teach you, Okay, this is how you deal with a sucking chest wound. You're like, Okay. Now most of those injuries, with the exception of like heat injuries, we're all traumatic for the Uh most part. Right. I I mean, you know, they don't like, like the military doesn't train you on like, okay, you know, your, your bunkmate's got a splinter. What do you do? Right. I mean, it's mostly your bunkmate got shot, your grenade went off, lost a limb, those kinds of things. Right. But I think the biggest obstacle for most people is having a, a supporting cast around you. Like for example, with my wife, She's tolerant, but I don't know if I would say supportive. Mm-hmm. Meaning, if I said, "Hey, we're going to have a first aid night where you know we're going to pick different scenarios and we'll right. you try to diagnose what's going on," and she'd be like, "I'm not doing any of that." Yeah, I know. Or, or you turn <laughs>
1: off, or you turn off the power in the wintertime and you say, "We're going to use our backup heat and we're going to use our backup power for the weekend."
0: I tried that one—the cold snap a couple months ago that uh-huh. came through. I was like, "Hey, you know it would be really fun. Let's just have a night where." We, when the when the sun goes down, that's it. there's no light. I said, we'll get the oil lamps out. I said, we'll put a couple oil lamps around the house. I said, and, and we'll you know and we'll and we'll just run off our stored power. And she just looked at me and she's like, I'm not doing any of that. <laughs> and then so the next night she came home from work and I had the oil lamps going. I had one on the coffee table, I had one over here in the kitchen. and the living room was lit up really nicely because I have these really nice big like those hurricane lamps, sure. And uh, and she came in and she's like, what, 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 what's this? And I was like, oh, I thought we would do this fun thing where she's like, turn the freaking lights on. Yeah, I ain't doing that. <laughs> she's like, I'm going to turn the lights on. Yeah. And I was just like, all right, all right, we it's turn 10, the lights it's, on. It's zero degrees yeah. outside. You yeah. know, and it was funny because I said, well, I said, well look, I said, look how much light these these oil lamps give off and she goes yeah she's like it's great it's light in here all right now turn zero impressed yeah, gave zero exactly. you know whatever and I'm just like okay I would run
1: into the same problem
0: yeah so so the problem is you you need that supporting cast to say okay if I want to train on these different first aid scenarios you know for example uh, if I said to my wife for example hey um, I want I'm going to teach you how to put a tourniquet on me I might begrudgingly get 10 minutes with her she <laughs> might be like all right uh sure why not And I'm like, okay. And the second, like the second it was like, no, 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 you're doing it. She's like, I'm out. You know, this is dumb. I'm just going to do it, right? Yeah. But I think back to, I remember distinctly those days in the military where you would go from station Mm -hmm. to station doing different skills, right? And, And in some of them, They would have the people like... You'd be a casualty at one of the stations and they'd be like, okay, what's your symptoms? I have dilated pupils. I've got redness. I've got dots. And they'd be like, oh, that's nerve agent poisoning or that's, you know, whatever chemical agent poisoning or whatever, you know? Yeah. Um, See, I
1: was in the... I was was an x-ray tech, so we had to do that stuff. And then um, I had to play a burn victim in an exercise. You know, like they say, Saturday, we're having an exercise. Right. The whole base is involved simulated whatever and the the funniest thing was we had to play mash unit once a year Mm -hmm. and uh the the deciding factor for me whether i was going to re-enlist was while we were out playing mash unit over in salina right um the 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 leadership said oh and by the way if we actually go to war you won't be an x-ray tech you'll be a clinger carrying a litter (laughs) a clinger (laughs) he says that's all you'll be doing (laughs) Uh,
0: ridiculous and then
1: i got back and they go hey you're just about to the end of your uh your enlistment you want to re-enlist hell no
0: (laughs) so final thoughts have many first aid kits Mm -hmm. have them have them convenient to like you said kitchen car have your big hospital bag yeah you know and If, uh, if you have it
1: in your car the expiration date may be challenged just because it's under heat and everything else. Absolutely. So you have to watch out. If you've got some sort of liquid in there like iodine or whatever else, you may have to bag it or double bag it.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. Because,
1: you know, I've had it leak all over my bag before. Yeah. I've had neosporin leak all over my bag before. Yep. And you're like, hey, you know, this is this is pretty solid. I never opened it. Well, you know, who knows what's going to happen when that's it gets right. hot.
0: I think something else you talked about, training. Yeah, training. Right, don't just buy stuff, shove it in a bag, but actually get training on it. Sure. You know, I mean, I mean, even something as stupid, simple as liquid bandage does require a little bit of finesse. Yeah. Right? I mean, you can't just squirt it in there. I mean, you, you know, ideally, you've got... Uh, a, a, a small uh you know tool to kind of pinch the skin together yeah i like those it.
1: those new things those butterfly things where you pull on both sides and they pull the wound together oh yeah yeah those are cool uh you know what i'm not I'm not sure I'm familiar with those yeah I think I was thinking of something else what are those so they're they're like you know so say that thing in my head right right so it was a little bit wide yeah, yeah right so say it's too wide for me to put liquid bandage in right you can there's this butterfly bandage thing that you put on and it's got it's got these little pull things on on both sides and you put it you on a wound like that and then you pull it and it grabs hold of the skin and smushes it together interesting so, I mean, I'm familiar with
0: butterfly bandages but you're you're saying this is a like a tool.
1: Kind no, of? no, no. It's it's like a bandage. Oh, okay. Yeah. Right. And then it's like it's it it will simulate like holding it together. Oh like okay. suturing it without having to suture it.
0: Got it. I was I was having the stuff when you need it's important.
1: I think the one thing that I've learned is have the simple stuff. Yeah. That like, is you know, nothing sucks worse critical. than when you're camping and you got poison ivy.
0: Yeah, that is that is super critical.
1: And just getting that stuff off of you with the poison ivy wash is pretty important yep that's and you don't need to keep it in your car I mean you know but if you're gonna go you know if you're going rock climbing you're going camping you're going somewhere then you know that's the kind of stuff you want to cycle in and out
0: yeah I mean I think I think those that's a very important point and one so because being like it's it's way more interesting and fun to you know pack a blowout kit for example Mm. because you know everybody romanticizes this yeah I'm gonna throw on my you know my plate and I'm gonna you know, grab my chest rig and I'm going to grab my rifle and run out into the yard and stuff. <laughs> I, don't, and, I, don't, I don't fantasize you know, about that. And I got yeah. my blowout kit, right? right? And you're like, nobody's like, man, it's going to be so cool. I'm going to get a minor annoying cut on my finger that I want to put a Band-Aid on. Like nobody, nobody's <laughs> romanticizing that, right? There's, no. But to your point, nobody ever has a Band-Aid, but they got 10 different types of, of Israeli bandages that they can give you, right? You're like, oh, yeah, yeah, you need a tourniquet for that? I'm like, no, I just need a regular Band-Aid. Yeah, I couldn't I find a. I could <laughs> and find
1: a bandage and and i ended up having to use some big huge stupid gauze pad and wrap it around my finger like four times with a bunch of tape and, yeah, exactly you know and i'm sitting there just looking like a goofball
0: well i'll tell you something that my wife and i started doing i want to say maybe right around the uh the first eight months of COVID or so we started treating our medicine cabinet like a medicine cabinet uh-huh. right so instead of just being a collection of you know whatever like just random crap. We actually have a fully stocked medicine cabinet that's our first line of defense before Mm. the hospital bag. That's good. So like within our medicine cabinet, we've got all the different assortments of bandages. We have got uh, liquid bandage. We've got all the different ailment stuff like Pepto and all those good things. Yeah. Keep sunscreen in there, all that good stuff. Ibuprofen, Mm -hmm, uh, antibiotics, and other things like that. They're not antibiotics, but like antibiotic ointment, right? Like, you know, stuff you would put uh, in in a cut or something like that. And we keep all that in the first aid kit. Or I'm sorry, in the medicine cabinet. And so we find we go to that a lot, right? We've got stuff for our eyes, all that stuff. Mm -hmm. And so normally if something happens, I'll be like, oh, just go get something out of the medicine cabinet. And very seldom do I ever have to go digging around in the actual... First aid kits or hospital bags because it's got some fairly large, I say large, medium to small size bandages and then band-aids and then all the other stuff and yeah. we
1: actually had pretty good luck with it. Yeah, I think one of the things that I really need is eye wash. Right. So having glasses, it's not convenient to put on goggles mm-hmm. like safety goggles. Right. And even if you do, they kind of like there's some gap unless you get the stupid goggles that hug your face and stuff but you know the standard goggles that they sell for chainsaw or whatever they stick out enough because they're on top of my glasses that i invariably get some piece of debris that goes up and hits me in the eye mm. or sawdust or whatever else and then so not they're not like goggles where
0: they have a bottom to them they're like, well, more like, like glasses? Yeah, they,
1: they're a little bit better. they're a little bit better than glasses but they're not like tied up on my face okay and it doesn't matter what happens there's some sort of debris that ends up Getting right. up there, whether it's sawdust or it's you know a splinter or something, and then I and then having a eye wash is pretty important. Yeah,
0: the one thing the right now the only thing on my on my list of things to get is a true eye wash. It's like a cup, cups over your eye, and yep. you squeeze it. And it shoots the water or solution sure. into your eye and really, truly flushes it out. Mm-hmm. That's on my my to, my to get yeah, list. Yeah, the saline. Yeah, you know, the, the cup. You know, thing and, for and some eye. of them you can just you can just they're just empty things you can just put warm water in, mm-hmm. right? And but it's just something to get water moving across your eye. Yeah. To get any like debris out of it. Yeah, I think that's
1: that'd be really helpful.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because I know one thing that we invested in last year was good goggles, right? Because you know, your eyes are everything. If sure. your eyes aren't functioning, you're not functioning.
1: Yeah, trying and, to put those on top of glasses was really a hassle. Unless yeah, you get the you know. unless you get the 1970s shop vac, you know, goggles that we had in uh, industrial arts. Right. right. Well,
0: we I went with right. the military goggles. I don't know if they're better for glasses than anything else, but you're welcome to try them on. But yeah, I want to uh, see that. But um, you know, but they're good. Like nice. they're good military goggles because that's what I was thinking. I was like. If there's some sort of you know emergency, whatever it is, doesn't matter what it is, taking a minute to throw a pair of goggles on so you can see. First of all, you're not going to care that you look sillier. Like people are like, "Dude, what's with the goggles?" Right? Yeah, sure. You know, you'll be, you know. But at the same time, keeping things out of your eyes when you know, think about like, uh, you know, around here it gets windy, mm-hmm. right? And, and in the spring it gets really windy, so you got all kinds of sand and debris flying through and. You know, you get all kinds of things or something I've even toyed around with. I've tried it and, uh, and it was one of those things where it was a great idea that I just didn't continue to do was I used to wear shooting glasses when I went through the woods at night hunting. Mm -hmm. Right. And the reason I did that is because I had a close encounter with, I was walking through the woods, wasn't using a flashlight because if I can get away with it, I won't. And I walked into a stick and it got me in the eye Mm -hmm. and it got me just enough off the eye where it didn't ruin my day, and I was like, all right, hunt's over, I got to go home. But it got just enough of my eye to go, hey, wear a pair of you know something when you're going through here.
1: That's a good point.
0: And I so I started wearing just a nice light little pair of, of shooting glasses, and it was nice because you know I'd, co- I'd be going through the woods, and every once in a while, a little branch that you can't see would get you, in and be like, yeah. nope, that's happened I'm to me. Good. Yeah,
1: I think that happened when we went out <laughs> in December, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. This just reminds me of something. I've got uh, buried in my dresser. I think I have some uh, racquetball glasses that are prescription.
0: Well, there you go.
1: So I'm going to need to dig those out. I'm sure there are a couple of uh, prescriptions ago, but I don't think my eyes have changed that much. And then use that, you know, chainsaw or something.
0: Yeah, that'd be a good idea because I mean, those things fit pretty
1: yeah and it's got the strap and all that stuff right right? they fit pretty
0: snug to your face so i doubt a lot of stuff's going to get in there yeah
1: and then yeah and yeah it's real tight to the face so you know and then if you get hit straight on then wouldn't get hit in the face yeah and then
0: to answer your question the last thing book literature books mm-hmm. yeah if you're down if you're a person that downloads stuff from the internet make hard copies sure. or put things on on hard drives that aren't, aren't required you know the internet's not required to access mm-hmm. um you know because laptops don't require a lot of power so you can charge them from any numerous little you know the little small goal zero or something yeah. like that or yeah. even solar but uh but having either hard copy downloads or having a laptop that you don't need the internet to get information off of uh still recommend hard copy downloads but like the book, like where there is no dentist, where there is no doctor, stuff like that. Yep. Um, I know I've got I've got a bunch of different medical survival books in my library that go into a lot of detail around different first aid stuff, but they're nothing. They're not nearly as comprehensive as like the book where there is no doctor, which correct, I've been meaning correct. to get and just haven't mm-hmm. because that if, if there truly isn't any doctor. That's your desktop reference right there. That's sure. it. That's all you've got. Or you know somebody that's a doctor or a nurse or somebody like that that right. can, can take Because your Kindle
1: of might not work in that situation. And Kindle's DRM anyway. So
0: <laughs> if you haven't would.
1: downloaded it from Apple and then you have no internet connectivity and no LTE, then uh, not going to help that yeah. uh, you got a Kindle that's supposedly on your… On your device, but it's not downloaded. Yeah, so. I cer-
0: i certainly wouldn't wouldn't count on it for sure. But sure. I—I mean, I've I've read so many countless stories of people that have used those books. As a matter of fact, I recently read one. It was uh, where there is no dentist, where the guy was uh, living in Alaska, mm-hmm. and you know, a lot of people in Alaska, there's no dentist, there's no doctor right. anywhere near convenient. And uh, and use the where there is no dentist book to extract an infected tooth from himself. you know, and that's just a great example where, I mean, anyone that's had a, a bad tooth, the, the pain is is mind numbing. It's just because it never goes away, right? right? Right. And so eventually, it's almost a mental thing where it's like you just have this constant acute throbbing pain 24 7 365 and but but he had the book where I remember reading his account of he's like yeah I had this book where there's no dentist and it gives you instructions on how to pull your teeth if you need to yeah you know and luckily he had the forethought to have some some basic dental tools Hmm. so he was able to he was able to extract his own tooth and uh and obviously survived to write the story but I was but that's what got me thinking like man those are two just indispensable desktop references, those two books.
1: Yeah, because you can crack your tooth and get an abscess and you're screwed up. So, Okay, disclaimer once again, this episode was us comparing our stuff. It's our personal opinion. It's not medical advice. It's not legal advice. It's not advice at all. It's meant for entertainment. (laughs) Take care, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Thrive in the Future podcast. So Thrivers, Thrive in the Future podcast is now over one year old. We've created new content every week for 65 plus episodes with conversations that you don't hear on other podcasts. After one year, the podcast only has a few reviews on iTunes. So the result is, unfortunately, that the algorithm will essentially bury or ignore Thrive in the Future in the search results. So we're having a contest. Please subscribe to the podcast in your fave podcast app. Go over to Apple iTunes podcast app and leave a five-star review. It has to be on iTunes. And then go to thriveinthefuture.com slash contest. We are having a drawing in February for Roxanne Ahern's Holistic Homesteading Book. And alternatively, a Amazon gift card. Go to thriveinthefuture.com slash contest and submit your email for the drawing. The drawing will be on February 26th for the copy of Roxanne Ahern's Holistic Homesteading Book. Alternatively, there is an Amazon gift card. Join the contest. Thank you. Next time on Thrive in the Future Podcast. In the upcoming weeks for Thrive in the Future Podcast, these are the topics we're going to be talking about. Um, Are you a trader or are you a gambler? going to have Jason Snyder from Doomer Optimism podcast. And also my friend Dave and I break out our med kits and first aid kits and compare and lessons learned from that. That's coming up on Thrive in the Future podcast in the next few weeks.